All right. How many are ready to study the Trinity? Let me get an amen. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1. So good to see everybody here. God is good. Can I get an amen? Amen. God has been faithful. He's good to us. He always takes care of us. Our heart is to serve this church and to always do it with joy. And so when I come to this second service, I do it with joy. And uh, brother, would you put it up there for me, please? We're in a sermon series on Ephesians. I know you guys have been rocking it out with us. Today is going to be a day you got to put on your thinking cap because it's going to be on the Trinity. Everybody go to the Trinity. Thank you. The Trinity is the nature of God. Nothing more important than studying God. Remember that. Nothing is more important than God. And so if that means you've got to think a little bit today, if that means you've got to concentrate, that's not a bad thing, okay? Important things in life will take your concentration. So I will be talking a lot today. I'll be reading a lot of scriptures, and I need you to follow along and participate with me because if you don't, you'll get lost, and then you'll wonder what the Trinity is. And there's no reason to do that because I got the notes here. So let's open up to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Follow along on the screen if you like. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus. Where are God's holy people? In Ephesus. That's the name of the book. Ephesians. Paul is the author. The series is called In Him because the Bible says that as much as they are in Ephesus, they are the faithful in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? Just as much as you are here today in Chicago, you should be in Jesus. And this triangle representing our sermon series on the book of Ephesians this year represents the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are in the triune God because we are in Jesus. Once again, just as much as they were in Ephesus, they were in Christ Jesus. Let me read that verse again and you guys track with me. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, thank you, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Now, verse 2, which is going to be our verse today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're going through the entire book of Ephesians verse by verse. I was talking to some of the pastors after first service, and it's probably going to take us more than a year. I thought this would be 2017, but this may be 2018, even 2019. And the reason is, just in verse 1 alone, we've preached five messages. Now in verse 2, we're preaching our third message. First two verses of the book of Ephesians, I have preached eight messages. Do you understand why it may take us some time? But the benefit of doing this it, this way is giving all of us the foundation of these truths. So the foundation of knowing who Paul was, we preached on that. The foundation of knowing who Jesus is and what it means to be in the will of God. The foundation of understanding who the actual Ephesians are, the historical narrative of why these people became Christians. And if you forgot, they were pagan Roman citizens who practiced a very wicked form of paganism. They practiced temple prostitution in the name of their goddess, Diana, that they worship. They also were into witchcraft. They burned a lot of it, if you remember, after they became Christians, and they were very perverse, almost like the partiers of Mardi Gras. So these people became Christians, and Paul is their apostle, and he's writing to them, 
And grace and peace is what he wants them to have. The whole entire book is a sandwich of grace and peace. Starts with grace and peace, ends with grace and peace. As we talked about last week with Ephesians chapter 6, 23 and 24, I showed you the end of the book. And remember, our homework is to read the book once a week. And I hope you guys can do that. I read it out loud to myself last week. only took me 20 minutes. And weeks prior and last week alone, too, I listened to it by audio. only takes about a half hour. And on my bike rides for cardio, I can listen to it multiple times. So no reason why you can't invest a half hour into studying this book. Now today what we're going to talk about is the triune character of God. Because if you notice, he says grace and peace comes from God our Father. And it doesn't stop there. And it says, and what? Come on, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about that and how audacious that is. If I say God is going to bless you, but he needs me to do it, that's sacrilegious. That's blasphemy. Imagine if I wrote you a letter and I said, God will bless you and Joe will bless you. Now you may say, Joe has some things God's given you that uh, maybe God gave me some things to give you. But imagine if I was to take credit with God for giving you something. That's blasphemy. But here Paul says, you want grace, you want peace, God the Father's going to give it. And there's a big and right there, and the Lord Jesus is going to give it. Well, the moment we hear that, we need to understand the Trinity. Now, let me give you the definition of the Trinity and then walk it back through the Bible, okay? Let me give you the big concept here at first. The term Trinity simply means triunity or three in one. God's nature is composed of three co-eternal persons that share the same divine substance. That's what we call the Trinity. Now, this is the part I want you to understand and not get confused. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Where have we heard those terms before? Jesus, when he gave us the baptism, he said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Remember, we've heard these things before. When Jesus is getting baptized, Jesus is in the water, Father is speaking, this is my Son, and where's the Holy Spirit? Coming down as a dove. But this concept is a concept that even goes back into the Old Testament. In the book of Genesis, God is speaking through the Word, His Son, and the Spirit is creating. God the Father speaking through His Son, Spirit is creating. Now here's where people get it confused. There are not three separate gods coming together to form one God like multiple parts making one car. So you look at a car, there's an engine, there's a transmission, they all come together and they form a car. That is not the Trinity. They are not parts of God coming together. They are all individually God sharing the same nature of God, yet individual persons. Nor are they three slices of God. The Father having a third, the Son having the third, and the Holy Spirit having the third, like a God-sliced pie. That's not the Trinity. This is what the Trinity is. The Trinity is one being, one being which is called God, triune in his nature, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, each fully divine with one nature, yet separate in personality and function. 
Now understand this. There is not multiple human races, one human race, but there are multiple people in the human race, okay? One of the biggest lies we could ever believe is that because of the color of our skin, we are of a different race. That is not true. We may be of different cultures and languages, but we are of one race. Think of God in the same way. God is of a race, the God kind of race. And there are three individual persons who share that nature. Let me give it to you with humanity. My wife and I share humanity. We are both humans. We both have the same abilities as human people to abide and function on this planet. But we're not the same person but we have different functions. Do you understand? Now, my children are the same way. My children are just as much human as I am. How many believe children are human? Even though they don't always act that way. But they're humans, but they have a different function. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit, but they share the same quality of the God nature, God kind of a being. Now, this is another way to think about it. Think of there being only one what and three who's. One what and three who's. For example, what is God? The creator of our universe. What is he? What is God? He's all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present. Those are the three main attributes that make God God. If you can say that there is a lesser kind of being and you call that a God like a Thor, that is a false God. The God we are talking about contains all power, contains all knowledge, and is ever-present. That is what God is. One what? What is God? All-powerful, ever-present, all-knowing, one being. Now, who is God? God is three who's. One what? Three who's. God is three yet equal persons sharing the divine nature, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go back to the baptism of Jesus. Jesus is not doing ventriloquism with the a voice in heaven and then shape-shifting into a dove at the same time as a mirage. Literally, the Father has a mind, will, and emotions. That's what makes him a person. He is speaking. Jesus, with mind, will, and emotions, is in flesh, taking on an ursuit, being in that moment present. And then the Holy Spirit, with his own mind, will, and emotion, is coming voluntarily and resting upon Jesus. One what? God is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing. Three who's. Who is God? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when you walk this through the entire Bible, you see three major foundations of the Trinity. The first foundation is that there's only one God. So anything that teaches multiple gods is a false teaching from outside of the Bible. So we don't believe in multiple gods. There's not the gods of Hinduism or the gods of Egypt or the gods of Greece. One God is in the Bible. Number two, what we learn is that there are three separate persons that claim to be that one God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. For example, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right here, you see two persons being called God. The Word is being called God, but yet the Word is with a person called God. Is that confusing? 
Not when you get to verse 18, because now it says no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God is in closest relationship with the Father and has made him known. So think about this. It says no one's seen God, but people have seen God. Now you know the different persons. Who did they never see? They never saw the Father. Who did they see? The Son. Is the Son equally God as the Father is God? Absolutely. So if you've seen the Son, can you say you've seen God? Yes. But have you seen the Father? No. So who met with Moses on the mountain of Sinai and gave him the Ten Commandments? Who did Moses talk face to face with and call God? The Father? No. Jesus. Who came down as Yahweh in Genesis 18 and ate with Abraham, had two angels with him, sent them later to judge Sodom and Gomorrah? Was that the Father? No, that's Jesus who is equally God. No one has seen God the Father, but we've seen God the Son who's in closest relationship with the Father. Now the third foundation that we then learn is that the three persons who claim deity, the Spirit of God, the Son, and the Father, are not on different levels of deity. They are all equally God. When you go to that passage in Matthew 28 that we talked about the baptism formula, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the name represents the divine name that God gave Moses when Moses asked God, who should I tell the Israelites that I have been sent by? What name should I give them? He said, tell them I am that I am has sent you. That is where we get the word Yahweh from, listed over 6,000 times in the Old Testament. And so when Jesus says baptize in the name, the name of Yahweh, the name of God, he doesn't say names, plural, one name, but then he lists off three persons who share that name. Think of it to yourself as I say it now. Baptize them in the name of the Father. Father has the name of Jehovah, Yahweh, doesn't he? In the name of the Son. Son has the same name as the Father and of the Holy Spirit. How many names are there for God? One name. How many persons share that name? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How many would like to see a helpful little chart now? Here's a famous chart that's been around for a while. I remade it to make it a little bit clearer. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. But the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are God. Not three gods, not three parts of God. Three separate persons sharing the identity of God. Now when God made us, think about it like this, and this is the message that's going to be in a nutshell here. I'm going to close with this, so keep up with me right here. When God made mankind, he made mankind in his image. If God was a singular person, he would have made us a singular person. But that's not how he makes mankind. When God created Adam, Adam is called Adam. But also Adam in the Hebrew means mankind. So with Adam, he created Adam, mankind. And how was mankind created? Just with one man? Was he going to be asexual, split off, and then recre recreate himself or procreate asexually? No. Adam, the man Adam, is given Eve, and then Adam and Eve procreate and make children. That is the Adam of the Bible, the human race of the Bible. Man, woman, children. When God wanted to create us, did he make us as one individual person? No. He made us in his likeness complex unity. 
Three separate kinds of persons making one human race. Listen to Genesis 1:26 and onward as I add the commentary to show you the Trinity in humanity. Humanity representing the Trinity. God the Father said, let us, the Trinity, stop right there. Why is he using plurality? Why didn't he say, let me make? He said, let us make. He is speaking to the Son and the Spirit. Once again, listen, God the Father said, let us, the Trinity, make mankind in our image. And what is the image of God? Three persons sharing one nature, the God kind of nature, in our likeness. Now, you notice the black is the scriptures. My commentary is in white and red. So how many times have you seen plurality just in that first verse? Three times. Let us, in our image, in our likeness, in complex unity. So God the Son created mankind in his own image. How do we know that it's God the Son who created mankind? You look to the New Testament. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, how many things were made? Through him, how many? All things were made. And who is the him there? Jesus. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. How do I know that's Jesus? You just follow it down. Verse 14, the word became flesh. Who became flesh? Did the Father become flesh? Did the Spirit become flesh? No, the Son became flesh, and that's why it says, as I've been reading to you out of verse 18, the prior verse in 17, it says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God, he is our creator. Jesus is the one who stepped down and made Adam out of the dust of the earth, is in closest relationship with the Father and has made him known. Jesus makes known to us the Father because we're made in his image. So God the Son created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, the Trinity, he, Jesus, created us how? As a singular person? No, as two persons, male and female. And then he blessed us and said, be fruitful and increase in number. So you see that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is of the God race. What are the three main persons of the human race? Man, woman, child. Does everybody see that? Now, sometimes people like to say that fathers on the earth match God the Father, that the Son represents the child, so Jesus represents the child, and then the Spirit now, they have to put a woman in there, represents the mother, so they want to make the Holy Spirit the mother, so the Father, the mother, and the Son. But that's not the correlation. The correlation isn't to try to identify the sexuality of humanity and divinity. No, what we correlate here is the complex unity of the God nature in, in divinity into the humanity of complex unity. So when God wanted us to see his image, he created three of us, man, woman, child, to procreate and make the human race. Through that, we should see the complex image of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Don't let that pass you by because that will come up later at the end. But going back to Paul now, we need to understand Paul's view of the Trinity. Because when Paul is writing, what does he say? One God and Father and one Lord Jesus Christ. He calls the Father God quite consistently in Jesus Lord. Does that mean that the Father is not Lord Yahweh? And does that mean that God is not Jesus? Let's come to understand this a little bit better. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people in Deuteronomy 6.4 had a Shema. 
uh, which is their confession of faith, similar to what we said here today, they would say every day in their prayers. They would say it in Hebrew. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. What two titles do you see in their Shema that Paul used to describe the Father and Jesus? What two titles do you see there? Lord and God. Exactly. In Paul's writing, who does he call God? The Father. Who does he call Lord? Jesus. And yet in the Shema, the Lord is God. And God is the Lord. The Lord, your God, is one Lord. Now, if you just put in the Hebrew, I'll just help you understand. It's not too difficult. Let's not be lost in this. The Lord just simply means Yahweh, the personal name of God. And God is Elohim, the generic name for God. But he clarifies it and says Yahweh is one. So it simply is a way to express to the Jewish people there's only one God and his name is Yahweh. Now look at how Paul does this in his writings. Let's see if you can catch what he does and get a revelation of the Trinity. Ephesians 1, 2 again. Grace and peace to you from what? God our Father and what? The Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch him again here in another letter to the Corinthians. For even though if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God the Father, from whom are all things came, from whom we live, and there is but one Lord Jesus Christ, from whom all things came and through whom we live. We'll step up back a little bit where it says there's many gods and lords. Do you think Paul is a polytheist? Does he believe in many gods and lords? No, why does he say that? He says because they worship many gods. They worship many lords. But for us, there's only one. One God, one Lord. Now watch this. He says of God, the Father, that everything we know comes from him, and because of him we live. How many believe that's obvious if you read the Bible? From God the Father, everything is created and we live. How many believe that? But how many would equally believe that applies to Jesus? Wow, what did he just do right there? He said the very same thing about God the Father, about the Lord Jesus. Did you catch it? I think that's very significant. He says now about Jesus, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Hold on, Paul. Are you now believing in two gods? No. For him, God and Lord are the same kinds of titles, but they're describing three separate persons, that he can apply those titles to them at any time and still only be referring to one God. The Father is God, the Father is Yahweh, one name. Jesus is God, Jesus is Yahweh, one name. Not many Yahwehs, not many lords, not many gods. Holy Spirit is Yahweh, Holy Spirit is God. I think that gone over some of your heads, but it's important that you hear it today. Study it on your own when you have time. Now, as we go back to the book of Ephesians, we see that Paul gives us keys to unlock his theology. In all of the books, he brings his theology, but the uh, book of Ephesians is so heavenly-minded and so glorious in its revelations that I believe Ephesians contains a lot of the keys to unlock his teachings. Let's see if we can find now the Trinity 
in Paul's writings and see if they're important to us. Because I think if you get bored about me speaking about your God, you may not know your God very well. I know I'm not boring, and I know I'm not whispering. So this should keep our attention, right? If you're thinking, man, I wish you would have told me today about how to be a better husband, a better wife, make more money, you're missing the whole point of why you were created. You were created to know God and be in his image. And let's see if that's Paul's heart as well as he reveals the Trinity in his writings. Look at Ephesians 1.17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, the first thing I want to say here is that some people get confused, and they say, since Jesus is said to have a God, that that must mean Jesus cannot be God, because it says the God of the Lord Jesus. But remember that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have been eternally in relationship with each other. And so to say Jesus has a God is the same to say that Jesus has a Father, and Jesus has always been the Son, and the Father's always been the Father. My wife and I, if you think about since we've been married, I've always been the husband, she's always been the wife, but she has never stopped being equally human with me. The idea of the Trinity precedes the incarnation of Jesus coming to this earth, precedes all of the universe and its creation, and they have always dwelt together in these roles, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Is the Father equally God as the Son and the Holy Spirit are equally God? Yes, but different roles. But here's where you see, don't lose this because we're going to end today in just a little bit. This is where you see Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer is that you would know God the Father through Jesus by the Spirit. There's the practical application of the Trinity. I'm going to read it again. He can ask God the Father for anything on your behalf. He could have said, Ephesians, I know you guys are messed up. I just pray you guys stop doing witchcraft. Or, you know, I know some of you are poor. I pray you guys get more money. Or some of your marriages are falling apart. I pray your marriages are strong. Some of you are single and perverse. I pray you stay holy. No, this is what he says. I keep asking. I keep repeating this to God through Jesus, that the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. That's the entire part that we forget in humanity is humanity was meant to be in relationship with divinity. We participate in the, in the trinity of humanity all the time. Men want to know women, to have children, to have families, and vice versa. And we believe that's all we were created for, is the trinity of relationship in humanity. And what Paul is showing us is that humanity within its trinity was meant to know the trinity of divinity. Meant to know the triune persons of the Godhead. More than you know a mother, more than you know a father, more than you know your children, you are meant to know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the revelation that Paul wants you to know. It's not just about knowing each other here in this triangle of relationship. Humanity was meant for relationship with divinity. Trinity of humanity is a mirror of trinity of divinity. And the divine nature is meant to be entered into. 
That's the whole concept of Ephesians is in Jesus, in him, in him. What happens in him is I come back to my union with God. I was separated from the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I wasn't here. I was out here because of my sin. But Jesus, God the Son, takes on flesh so that my sins can be forgiven, brought back into relationship with the Father, and the Holy Spirit puts me back in here to be in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except by me. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes and will be in you while my Father and I are in heaven, the Holy Spirit will come in my name. And then where he is, my Father and Son, uh, the, my Father and myself will be there. The Holy Spirit comes and does what Jesus says as Jesus does what the Father says. Now don't get lost. Keep going here in just a few more passages in Ephesians. He prays again, but before he prays again in Ephesians 3, look at what he says here in Ephesians 2. For through him, talking about Jesus, we both, meaning Jews and Gentiles, have access to the Father by one Spirit. Did you catch the Trinity right there? For by him, who is the him there? Jesus, we both have access to the, by the one spirit. There's your entire spirituality right there. There is the entire relationship with God that you will ever have. This is it summarized in one verse. Because of Jesus, you can go to the Father by the Holy Spirit. Right there. Don't miss it. Because of Jesus, because of what he did, the Father didn't take on flesh. The Spirit didn't take on flesh. The Son took on flesh, rose again on the third day. Because of him, you now have access to the Father by the Holy Spirit here now. That's why you don't see the Father in the Son. You are now supposed to be in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I was taught in Bible college to wake up in the morning and welcome the Holy Spirit to my life. He hadn't left when I went to sleep, but I should remind myself that he's still with me. And even this morning with the crusty things in my eyes, I kind of rolled over and I said, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning. Because now I have access to the Father because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit makes it real. I don't have time to read that whole passage, but listen to how it, that passage ends in verse 22. The same concept. And in him, who is the him? Jesus, in Jesus, you two are being built together to become a dwelling which God, God referring to who? The Father lives by his Spirit. And then we see in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, he prays again. He prays in Ephesians 1 that I may know him, right? Let's see what he prays in Ephesians 3. He prays, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every a family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his what? His spirit where? In your inner being so Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray, now watch, that you will be rooted and established in love. Sounds almost identical to what you just heard in the prior verse up here in 117 where he says, I pray that the Father, through Jesus, by the Spirit, shows you who he is. Now he says, I pray to the Father, through Jesus, 
that you know you're rooted in love by the Spirit. The same idea. Know God, love God. Know God, love God. Jesus taught us to pray to the Father in his name and said the promised Holy Spirit would enact what he said. And then here is what we call the theological or the confessional statement of Paul in Ephesians. He says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. When you were called, how many lords? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Now, sometimes a Jehovah Witness will say, see, Jesus is not God. He's just called Lord. But a Jehovah Witness doesn't understand what they're saying. Because if God is not Jehovah and Jesus is Jehovah, then that means the God of the Old Testament was never Jehovah. Listen to that. I'm going to say it again. If you say that only Jesus is Lord, you have to go back into the Bible and see who is the Lord. The Lord is Jehovah. And so it's saying Jesus is Jehovah. But if you're saying God is not Jehovah, the same name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, if they don't get to share that name, then you got a problem with the God of the Old Testament who calls himself Jehovah all the time. Starting with the Shema. Hear, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord, one Lord, your God is one. So where do they have a problem? They don't understand that God and Lord both apply to Jesus. Both apply to the Father. And both apply to the Holy Spirit. Now, when we understand this, we can go through Paul's other writings. Let me just give you them quickly. Philippians 2, 9, Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. He says, therefore God exalted him, talking about Jesus, to the highest place and gave him a name that's above every name. That at the name of who? At the name of who? Jesus, thank you, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that what? Jesus Christ is what? Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, hold on, we got a problem with the Old Testament God if Jesus is not Yahweh, because in Isaiah 45, 22, what does he say? This is God speaking in the Old Testament. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Is there, is there multiple gods? How many gods are there? One, now watch verse 23. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Can there ever be another God that the big God creates? He says, nope, I am not going to revoke this. There's no other God besides me. Now watch what he says. Before who? Me, every knee will bow. By me, every tongue will swear. They will say of me in the Lord alone our deliverance and strength. Well, hold on now, Paul. You said they're bowing before a man named Jesus, calling him Lord, and somehow that gives glory to the Father. Mind blown. That must mean that Yahweh is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Father is saying, you will bow down before my Son and give me glory because he is Yahweh like me. Baptize them in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's go to another scripture and see if you can see it. Very famous passage in Romans Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who is the name of the Lord they must call upon? 
Jesus. Read the passage. We don't have time today, but read it. The same thing in Philippians. They'll bow down and confess Jesus is Lord. But hold on. The God of the Old Testament says to the prophet Joel in chapter 2, verse 32, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, who am I supposed to call on? Yahweh or Jesus? Oh, maybe Yahweh said Jesus is the name he wants me to call on because that's the Son. Yahweh, Father, Son, Spirit. Hello. When Yahweh tells us this is the name you're saved by, we don't argue with him. When Yahweh tells us there's three individual persons that share this nature, we don't argue with him, do we? We also see that Jesus is God. He's called that same name by God like we saw in John 1.1. 1, 1. Titus, this is by Paul, 2.13, he says, while we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This means that though sometimes Paul may break from his tradition of calling the Father God and Jesus Lord, he can swap them at any time because they're not assigning different kinds of divinity. They mean full divinity whenever they're used. Whenever he calls God the Father, full divinity. Whenever he calls Jesus Lord, full divinity. Going back to his Jewish understanding of the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. In Colossians 1, 15 through 20, he says the Son is the image of the invisible God. And who is the invisible God? What person? The Father. The Father that no one has seen. Does everybody remember that from John? No one has seen God, the Father, but the Son, who is also God, has made him known. Do you remember that? So the Son is the, invis uh, is the visible representation of the invisible Father. Wow. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell within him. So when the Son came upon the earth and took on flesh, he wasn't a man trying to become a God. He was God becoming man. Why did Jesus the Son, God the Son, become a man? So he could die in his earthly body for our sins. He took our place. That's what's significant about that. And so as we close out today, the Holy Spirit is called Lord as well. He said, now the Lord is the Spirit in 2 Corinthians 3.16. Remember one name. I'll just show it to you here in closing. One name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not multiple names of God. One God, one Lord. But they share it equally. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, Yahweh, your God, is one. One name. His name is Yahweh. What is he? He's God. Who is he? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What is his name? Yahweh. What is his nature? One God, all-powerful, ever-present, all-knowing. And who is he? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Will you stand up and give it up for Jesus today? Come on. And the reason why... Amen. And the reason why we give the glory to Jesus is because, remember, it's the Father's will that Jesus' name becomes the mediating. Jesus is the mediator between us and the Father. It's the Father's will for us to bow down and say his name, to confess it, to be saved. And so what I want us to do in closing here today is I want us to go back to this prayer 
And I want us to see if we can apply it to our lives. And I pray this for you today. I keep praying for you in this church as I pray for myself and this family that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give all of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. Because you were meant not to just have relationship in humanity, but relationship with divinity. Your completeness comes from knowing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you know God the Father as your provider, as your healer, as your creator, as the will of your life, not your will be done, but his will be done. When you know the Father that way, you'll be complete in this life. When you know Jesus as your Savior, the one who forgives you of sins, the friend that sticks closer than a brother, you will not be alone and feel condemned and guilty in this world. When you know the Holy Spirit as your comforter, as the abiding presence of God, as your inner strength, as the one who guides you on paths of righteousness and the path of peace and develops the fruit of the Spirit in you, you will not be lacking any good thing. Humanity was meant to know divinity through the Trinity. Come on, somebody put that on Facebook. Humanity was meant to know divinity through the Trinity. Let's pray this prayer today. Come on, Jesus. We come to the Father in your name, and we ask for the Holy Spirit to help us know you better. Band and altar workers, would you come quickly, please? If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says what you need to do is repent of your sins and believe in him. Listen to this famous scripture. For God so loved, the Father so loved the world, that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life by the Spirit. He says it in the next verse. The Spirit gives that life. So because the Father loves us, he sends the Son, and those who believe in the Son get the spiritual life that the Holy Spirit brings. So if you don't know Jesus today, he's the mediator between you and God. You don't need a priest. You don't need another pastor or anybody else. Come to Jesus. Say, I believe in you, that you died on the cross, were buried, rose again, and I confess my sins that I've done against you. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. You'll do those things that please me, the commands that say treat your neighbor as your, you would want to be treated, do unto others as you would want done unto you. You know, all of the commands to love each other and to be kind and compassionate. Say, I believe in you, Jesus, and I repent of my sins. For the rest of you, if you would say, I know Jesus, and because of that, I'm in a relationship with the Father, in dwelt by the Holy Spirit, now start to ask God the Father through Jesus that you would know him more. Come on, say, Father, I want to know you more. I want to know you more through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And so it's not vague. Why don't you start to pray for areas of your life you want to know him more through relationships? So, Father, I want to know you more through Jesus by the Spirit in my marriage. 
Father, I want to know you more through Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, in my friendships, on my job, in my career. God, I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to serve you. In my relationships with humanity, I want to grow deeper in my relationship with divinity. May my marriage reflect my love for you. With my children, may I reflect the love you have for me. On my job, may I have power and dominion to have success as you've given to me. A few moments right now. Everyone praying to know God better. Come on. Humanity was meant to know divinity through the Trinity. If you don't know Jesus, repent. Believe in him. If you do, invite him through the Holy Spirit to every part of your life right now. You will not know God just by reading a book. When you read the Bible, you must then live it out in relationship. You can't come to church once a week and just know God. You got to get what you got from here today and live it out out there. It's a relationship. I don't just talk to my wife once a week. I just don't read a letter from her once a week. Come on. It's a real relationship. You learn about them. You get wisdom, and then you get revelation. Wisdom is what you learn about somebody. Learn about God today. And revelation is what you experience Things that words don't necessarily capture, but the experience is real. I have a revelation of my wife's love, and our words can't even express how much we love each other. You get a revelation of parenthood when you hold your baby for the first time. Wisdom, revelation, knowing God more right now. Right now, come on, before we go. We'll sing a song in closing, but before we go, let's pray. Make it real. Make it real today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I want to know you more, Father, by the power of the Spirit. Let's get the words of this song up 30 more seconds, and then we'll sing and dismiss. But don't be in a hurry. Come on. Capture. You captured my heart. 15 seconds on your own right now. Pray to the Father. Come on. And then we'll start singing this five more seconds, and then worship together. Pray through this today. Now, if you can, let's worship together. You've captured. We'll dismiss in just a moment, but sing it with your heart. Limitless, the reach of your love. From the top, come on. Sing it with your heart. You've captured my heart, God. With your love, there's no end to the depths of your love. You've captured my heart, Jesus. going to pray a prayer of dismissal, but I want you to look up at me, please, as we get ready to do that. I gave you guys a great insight to this, and I just want to say it again. I can have wisdom about her, which is very important. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's understanding her, what she likes, what she doesn't like. She loves physical touch and attention. She loves that stuff. She loves it. My boobs through She loves words of affirmation. You're so beautiful. 
You're my favorite. You're the fairest of 10,000. See, that's wisdom. That is wisdom. And the Bible says we need to pray for that to experience that with God. That will come through a lot of practical things like going to church, reading your Bible, and so forth. But it doesn't stop just today. It goes on and on and on through your daily life. You study, you read, you pray, you talk. But then there's that other thing Paul said I pray for, that you have revelation. And revelation comes in intimacy, through knowing something beyond words. And so when I hold her like this, there's a revelation of love that our words can't express. Come on, somebody. And that's how God holds us in humanity. And as a matter of fact, you've heard it before at weddings, and it's in the book of Ephesians, by the way. Mind blown. He says, you guys fall in love with each other, but that's not the greatest mystery. The greatest mystery is Christ falling in love with you, the bride, as humanity. Woo! He says, that's the revelation that God loves us as a bride. So before we go, we'll dismiss in just a moment right now. You know, we're going to close out a prayer. And if you need it, come on up. Because these are just fellow humans trying to help you tap into divinity through the Trinity. And if you got to go, you got to go. We got life groups. It'll be a great day either way. But I'm just going to encourage some of you to stay back a little bit. Come up for prayer. Married couples, come up and just worship together and experience it. Because it's not just caught, uh, taught, it's caught. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this wonderful day for us to learn more about your triune nature. I pray now we'll experience it through wisdom and revelation in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give it up for Jesus. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five.